Hello, I'm James Fitzsimons, and welcome to The Career Scoop, a podcast all about career progression, advice, and experiences, aimed at assisting those who are in career transition. Today, my guest is Her Excellency, Ambassador Dijke Potzel of the Federal Republic of Germany to Ireland. Ambassador Potzel has been involved in representing Germany internationally for nearly 25 years. I'm delighted to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Great. Well, I'd like to start off, maybe you might just give us a, a quick overview of your career to date. Yeah, sure. Um, well, actually, and if you allow me, I would like to go back um, uh, like to my childhood, really, because that's when it all started, because um, uh, I was born and raised in East Germany. And there it wasn't so easy uh, to do your A-levels. So um, my mom had to lie a little bit about uh, what I wanted to become later um, to, in order to enroll me at one of the, uh, of the secondary schools um, in East Germany. So she put down that I wanted to become a teacher, which I never wanted to, but that brought me into that school. Um, and then um, also um, in East Germany, only very, f- not everyone who did the A-level was allowed to go to university. And also um, you were kind of assigned um, a subject. So you were allowed to apply, but it was not always the case that you would actually get what you were applying for. So um I got into that A-level school um, and they were very uh, unhappy with me that I then decided not to become a teacher or that I told them not to become a teacher and I wanted to study languages. And then uh, I applied for uh, a language study course at university and I actually wanted to study Chinese and Japanese um, and I didn't get that. So they gave me French and English. So I studied French and English. Uh, And after my studies... um, I then actually pretty straight away applied for the foreign service because my then boyfriend, now husband of uh, more than 25 years, um, decided to apply there. And we've both always been very political persons. Um, So I kind of thought, yeah, let's just give it a try to see whether that works in a West German context um, to apply for a job. And I didn't really... um, A, think that was going to work, and B, it was not the thing that I wanted to do all my life, you know. Um, I wanted to become an interpreter. I wanted to translate books. You know, I wanted to work with languages. I loved literature. And then this thing comes up and and I apply for it. And once we got accepted, um, I sat down with, with him and with my family because I didn't really want to go um, and do it. My sort of, th- th- my biggest concern was, and that again goes back to my upbringing in the East, was that it would be too political, too politicized, and East Germany would have had to become a member of the Communist Party, maybe even of the Stasi to work in that environment. And so I, I, I was really worried. And then friends, West German friends told me um, I should um, definitely do it, would look nice on my CV. So I went in uh, and uh, yeah, 25 later, I'm ambassador to Ireland. And in between, we were posted to Singapore and to Tehran. And then I spent a couple of uh, years working in HR in the ministry and also on the Iran desk uh, in Berlin. So before coming here, I was um, uh, basically deputy director general for uh, human resources in, in Berlin. Wow, that's, that's, that's really interesting. And what are you most proud of, of the 25 years? Um, and why? Well, that is uh, not an easy one to answer, actually. Um, I think I'm very happy to 
present and represent my country abroad and to make people familiar with who we are and what we are today in this in this world and to explain why we do things the way we do them and why we have a political standpoint uh, a, a particular political standpoint to really be able to do that um, and to bring people together um, which especially like here in Ireland, I find that fantastic that that works so well, you know, bringing people together, but also in a different context like Tehran, you know, to really confront people with their uh, with their views of Germany, German history in particular, like in Iran was always a very touchy issue. Um, and, and, and to confront people there and to make them aware um, of our view, um, um, that's very uh, rewarding. How do you, uh, it, you also have loads of, of examples when you are meeting people of different cultures, mm -hmm. how do you, how do you get, translate, how do you, how do you make that connection? Can you, you want to share any, any stories around that? And because sometimes people are suspicious of people. Rightly, wrongly. Yeah, absolutely. And there, are, everyone has uh, his or her own, her own stereotypes when you talk about a different culture, right? But that is also why when we take in people at, as a foreign minister, we we try to find people who have that intercultural. Um, uh, trade kind of uh, that they that they have this understanding of intercultural differences um, and to me it's just fascinating to elaborate and to 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 look into that and to feel it every day and to um, to realize you know the differences between people and then you kind of have to swing with it you know without um, sort of uh, negating your your own self but to kind of understand and then react um, positively and correctly and then yeah, as I say, get a swing with people um, and, and make them comfortable. And one important thing is to listen. I think that's very, very important to listen and then to understand uh, what people are actually saying. So try to learn from others rather than just um, sort of give out <laughs> and, and explain your own view. And how would you use that? Say if you're going back to your 24-year-old self, could you have taken a course to learn some of the stuff or some of the skills um, that you've learned obviously over 25 years? And most of us learn skills by probably making a mistake and oops. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And you, and you make mistakes all, all along. But um, what I would say to a 24-year-old is have an open mind, go see places, um, travel around the world if you can. Um, if you can't, um, then read books, um, be open for the literature of other places, be open for movies um, and uh, for talking to people um, within your own community who are different from who you are. Um, so really keep an open mind and try to be curious. Um, I think that... Um, I've always been very curious, you know, starting off with listening to the BBC World Service when I was still in East Germany to uh, once the wall fell, uh, immediately setting out on an interrail tour um, to um, going to the places where we um, had the pleasure to live. So, I know you shared with me before and maybe you'd share with our listeners the story of some, some date in November 1989 when a certain event happened. I think it was the 9th of November. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, crazy day really uh, and a very memorable day in my life yeah I mean that was the wall uh, the fall of the wall um, and I was actually at a concert with a friend of mine and uh, when we came out 
from the concert. Um, he drove me home and my father opened the door and shouted at me, um, really screaming, the walls come down, the walls come down, you can go to Paris, you can go to Paris. And I was like looking at him and I was really kind of, this is really weird, you know, has he had too many drinks? Something is going on here. So, um, and then he dragged me to the TV and indeed um, I saw people um, crossing the border and uh, so my, my, my friend called and said, shall we go? And so we set off and we went to the border and we crossed the border. And that was like my first night on West German or West Berlin rather, um, territory, which was extremely exciting. And then within a couple of weeks and months, really our whole world changed. And that was huge for all of us, I think. And looking back at us and looking to where you are now, coming from the east to the west what qualities did you think you had did were you less spoiled or more flexible or had a thirst or hunger for knowledge mm-hmm. yeah i'd say the hunger for something new um to see the world was definitely there um uh, because I mean, coming from such an enclosed space kind of thing, you know, you, you, we really wanted to see the world and we wanted to get out there. Um, I think we were flexible, um, like my generation for others, um, like in their mid forties and up, it was much more difficult, but we were young and the whole world suddenly opened up. So there was all these chances that we had, um, in front of our doorstep and, uh, and we grabbed them and used them. And that I think, um, um, yeah, really was a once in a lifetime chance, which not everybody was able to pick up on. Um, so for one, some, it was really challenging um, and difficult, but we were very lucky. And uh, yeah, this flexibility, this curiosity, this openness, I think um, were very helpful. What were the kind of first obvious things that maybe in the West we would have taken for granted that you walked, like the shops were full or so I'm just curious to share some yeah. of those are very, just very simple observations yeah, on, a very, on a very basic level like um i went shopping um for the first time like for just the normal stuff you know butter and coffee and flour uh in in the supermarket and the west took me an hour because all the shelves were so full and there were all these different brands and i was like why do i need 50 different brands of butter i have no idea what's going on here so which one to pick so um yeah just on a, on on that level but then on another level it was um you know Suddenly, um, you were very much responsible for the course of your own life. Um, whereas in East Germany, um, most of the things were very regulated and like done for you. You know, I mean, the, you know, you, you knew you would have a job and you knew you would have been assigned to a certain company and all that. So there wasn't much of a choice to take for you. So it was all kind of done. Uh, whereas now in the West, suddenly I had to even start... Um, like compiling my own courses for university because I was in the midst of my studies and uh, and suddenly uh, I mean you had to really um, think about what course do I want to take before that you got a curriculum at the beginning of the year and that's it and you had to follow it no discussion through it no discussion no I mean it was like in school really and so this kind of this kind of freedom and 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 um, self determination that suddenly was needed and um, it was I think for a lot of people very challenging and extremely new and so um, that was that was quite something for me too. Now what would you say to the young people now who are 22, 23, we're in pandemic, their worlds have kind of been turned upside down, 
their expectations and they had the opportunity to realize these expectations, they've all been taken away. It kind of sounds like you, you could give some good advice from the point of view from where you came from. Well, I think of, obviously it would be fantastic if you'd found something that you really love doing. And a lot of people say, um, you know, find what you love and then you'll be good at it. And that is very, very true. But there may be circumstances where that is just not possible. Um, and maybe the pandemic is one of those cases. And maybe there are other um, cases like that as well. Um, and, and, and certainly in East Germany, you know, I wouldn't have had like the chance to do what I loved 100%. So, you know, keep an open mind, be flexible and be open for something else. Um, and uh, don't shy away from going to uh, places or going to companies or uh, jobs that you might not um, particularly fancy at the beginning, you know, and then try to be good at it. Um, I've, I think that that's something that I always try to do, uh, you know, be good at what I do. Um, and then um, you get a reward for that. So, um, yes, if, if you're lucky enough, if you're one of the lucky ones who finds exactly what he loves and he can, has the capacity to do it, and uh, that, that, that's great. But other than that, you know, um, take it as it comes along and go for, uh, go for the challenges. Um, if I just may add, you know, like going to Tehran wasn't <laughs> like, you know, top priority on my list either. But it turned out, as one of the most fascinating and um, inspirational um, learning experiences in my whole life. And, and, and I have very, very fond memories of the time. It wasn't always easy, uh, far from it. Uh, we were there when 9-11 happened and, you know, all the, the, the problems that started after the war in Afghanistan and whatever. Um, so it wasn't always easy, but it, 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 it is um, it's still rewarding. Um, and, and I really had... Um, a very, very, very good and, and, and happy time there. That's re really interesting because my next question was going to be, and, and it's segued into it, like when you went to Tehran, it, it's a particular country with a particular leadership and, and where maybe males get are more dominated from the point of view of, 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 of ruling the, the country. So coming in and trying to adjust your style as a diplomat do you want to share any funny experiences and how you learned on, on the go or maybe the advice you got from a colleague to say, here's how you navigate this? I'm mm. just curious. Well, Any funny stories? Uh, uh, well, funny stories. Or diplomatic, I don't know. I mean, I diplomatic mean, there's, instance there's, you might have caused. Well, there's, there's, there's one um, kind of not, not really <laughs> incidents, but um, I remember that, you know, usually or not usually, but you have to wear um, a headscarf when you're there uh, and a coat. Um and then one day we left the house and, um, and, and I was driving the car. And then suddenly my daughter from the back says, mommy, you don't wear a headscarf and you could get arrested for it. Now, as a diplomat, that would have been maybe less of a problem. But anyway, so they might have stopped. And I was like panicking. And then I turned around and I saw this um, towel, kitchen towel <laughs> in the back. So just to escape from being uh, from being arrested, I put around the kitchen towel around my head and so we drove off and everything was okay. No, but I, on a more serious note, actually, um, uh, you when you go there, you prepare so you know a little bit about it. But um, 
I think I prepared a little too much, even in the way that I overdid it. Like in Singa still in Singapore, I bought all the the, um, the the scarves and everything, and I really, you know, learned how to tie it really closely to, through my uh, around my face and everything. And then we arrived at um, Tehran Airport, the first time I ever landed in Tehran, and I looked around, and all these Iranian ladies, they just had their shawls loosely, you know, wrapped about <laughs> around their head, and no one was looking like me, like with this really tight scarf around. So I found that hilarious and I felt so stupid, you know. I mean, this is, you have those stereotypes and you have those, you know, ideas about what is going to happen. And and then you, you realize there are so many different shades of what is going on in a country, in a society. So that's what I mean by, and there were so many of those, those little experiences that I had uh, where you realize, wow, this is there's so much more to learn, um, and and this is so different from what you expect. So it's been great because the Persian culture is a very old culture that we don't yeah, really facilitate. And what, okay, what about the food? What new foods did you did you get to taste over there for the first time? Oh, they have the best rice in the world. I have to say. Um, so if you get one of the rice dishes, this is one of the best. And then you have all the kebabs and you have all those lovely aubergine uh, 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 dishes and all that. So, And the fruits and the vegetables. Oh, my God, they are so tasty. Mulberries, fresh from the trees. Oh, uh, gorgeous. You know, And then you get uh, like um, red beet. Um, you get it like on the streets everywhere. They they boil them there. Gorgeous stuff. And I, I like as I say, the the, the fruits they are just so tasty and it's lovely. It really is. Yeah, it's great. You're making me hungry now just to, <laughs> just uh, hearing it. When you're hiring someone or recruiting someone, or a new staff member joins one of, one of your missions, what are you looking for in that person? Um, well, there's uh, first like the the diplomatic staff that we hire in Berlin. Um, and they are being posted abroad. And there is a whole set of things that we are looking for from like um, the intellectual capacity, obviously, the interest in politics, um, whether you have that intercultural understanding, uh, social behavior, are you a team player? That's very important, you know, because our missions are brought on usually not very big, uh, apart from the really big ones like Moscow and Washington and, and, and London and Paris. But other than that, they are very small. So um, being a team player is like, extremely important to us um so and then obviously you have to know foreign languages and all that so there's quite a quite a substantial catalog of things that we are looking for um when we hire um locally um local staff um it's uh, it's it, it really depends on on the actual job like if you're working in consular affairs you would have a lot of um uh you, you would have a lot of dealings with customers so you know are you a friendly person are you open are you flexible um uh, do you have the intellectual capacity to learn the job quickly and all that so are you um, are you open-minded? Um, do you have an interest also, of course, in Germany and in relations um, with us and all that? So, um, what I what 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 was always important to me when I was in HR is um, not a, a, one person can bring everything to that one company 
um, you know, or all the trades. You need different capacities for different jobs. So, like, we we need the guy who can go out there and represent and, you know, and is that, um, I don't know, charming networker and whatever. But we also need a person who's actually happy to sit down and check international contracts, um, you know, and uh, the other person who is fabulous in writing speeches. So you need for every... Um, you need a lot of different um, uh, capacities in people in a, in, in, in a big sort of institution like ours. And that is sometimes a bit of the challenge when you recruit people. But it's also, um, it's also extremely interesting to find then the right people for the right place in, in this big institution. I mean, we have 12,000 um, employees, so uh, it's, it's huge. Wow. And, and you've, over 25 years, you've probably have been lucky or been just been in the right place at the right time to meet maybe some names of certain people around the world. Is there any people that you've sort of seen or met who, who you really were impressed with as, as kind of world leaders? Um, I had the, the absolute honor to uh, meet Kofi Annan once with um, my, my federal president when I was working for him in his office. And um, and I don't know, I've, I've hardly ever met a person with an aura like his. He, he, he just walked into a room and he had such a presence. And it was so... It was warm. It was so impressive. It was, uh, it was just, I, I don't know. For me, he, he it was really um, like a, spe- a very special moment um, to be there. And so we sat down and talked for an hour and a half. Uh, he talked with the president, but as I say, I had the honor to be there. And uh, yeah, I mean, there were other incidents. I mean, or, or, or other occasions. Um, I had the pleasure to shake hands with Obama and also with Putin. And you know, like uh, a lot of people when I was working um, with with uh, our president. Um, but like. It's not always the, these these big kind of or or what people um, assume are those big um, uh, encounters, uh, but I had fantastic, very moving um, encounters with um, people like um, Holocaust survivors in, in Israel. Um, I still remember that we had that talk um, also with the president, and we were all crying at the end. So um, you know, you they they, they touch you. Um, personally, emotionally. Um, I had other encounters with um, people who actually, you know, care us in, so, in, in, in social settings, um, people who uh, had just survived uh, a very bad flooding in Germany and they picked up and they tried to clean up the mess and they helped each other and they had lost everything, but they're still in this um, together and helping each other. And, you know, I... I personally get very um, kind of um, emotional and I'm very touched by, by, by encounters like that. And you meet a lot of, I mean, fascinating and impressive people in, in, in situations like that too. Okay. Workplace stress. How do you, how do you, you have a very demanding job and lots of people coming into your personal space or maybe not as many mm. now with, with COVID but the sense of people taking your energy and how do you how do you manage that um yeah that's uh, I think a very good question for each and every one of us you know um and and I think everybody has to find his own or her own way uh so I I take a lot of energy from being with my family with my friends uh I'm a very social person so actually 
that is not only stress to me, which it can sometimes be, but it gives me back a lot of energy. But then I also um, had a certain point um, when I was like beginning of my 30s where I was really very stressed out. Children were small, job was very challenging and everything. So um, then my dad um, said to me, why don't you try autogenic training? Um, and that is kind of a muscle relaxation, meditation kind of uh, um, uh, method. And you can also find it uh, on YouTube and stuff, you know, if, if you were interested. And it kind of just, you know, brings you down and you have to learn it. takes a, a little while to learn it and to, to adapt to it. But then it's just so relaxing and I just need to do it like 10 minutes. Whenever I'm really stressed out, I, I might lie down for 10 minutes and do it. And it gives me back a lot of energy, a lot of focus, and uh, and just this this calmness, this peace, this <laughs> inner peace, or whatever uh, that you sometimes need to go back to to um, to keep on going. So that that really helped me, and I'm really grateful to my dad that that he actually introduced that to me. Um, and uh, so yeah, there you how, go. How long did it take you to accept it? And then learn it and then practice it. Well, actually, he really just grabbed me by the hand and he said, let's go and we lie down on the on the floor in the uh, living room uh, and I show you how to do it. And um, like the first time around, I was laughing because some of the things they say, you know, they were like, yeah, sure, you know. <laughs> um, but, uh, but then when you realize, when you understand it, um, it's great. And it didn't take me that long. Some people say you need like half a year um, constant training. It didn't take me that long, maybe mm. a couple of weeks, really. Um, and it's just, it, it, it's really fascinating. I, I, I really, really um, like it because it helps me. Oh, that's interesting. So you would you'd advise any 22, 23-year-old who might be skeptical about this kind of stuff, um, maybe this is something they should look at, particularly time when there's a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety. Yeah, and I mean, there are so many different versions of this um, out there, you know. Um, uh, so just try it out. It helped me. So I, I don't know. I mean, just trying it. That's what I mean with like keeping an open mind. That's not only focusing like on the career, but also on other issues, you know, I mean, just have an open mind, try it out. And if that's nothing you like, then I don't know. I also go for runs. Um, so some people just, you know, they get obsessed with running. I'm not that obsessed, but I still do it. And it also clears my mind, but you know, find your own set of things. Okay, great. Last question. Daike, would you want to share, say five words that might describe your career to date? Okay. So there would be um, hard work, but also exciting, um, very diverse, which I love, um, challenging at times, and rewarding, personally rewarding. That's a lovely way to uh, finish rewarding. So for anyone listening out there, young um, or, or, or old, if you get up in the morning and uh, you fire in the belly and you like what you're doing, that's really what it's about, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to thank Daika for talking with us today. Pleasure. Really appreciate your time. And thank, thank you, you very so much. much. Thank you so much for having me. It was a huge pleasure. You're very welcome. Thank you for listening to The Career Scoop, brought to you by Elevate Career Advice and Elevate Executive Selection. I'm James Fitzsimons, and I hope you've enjoyed listening. Make sure to tune in for upcoming season three, which will air on the 18th of November, where we'll be talking to some more interesting people about their careers. Hope to see you there.